The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews.com Hey everybody, welcome to Top 5 Movies. I'm John Burke, and with me this week is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And Michael Sanchez. Hello. And how have you guys been this week? Busy. Busy homecoming week, busy Saturday, busy all week, really. Mm. I, I can relate, uh, although our homecoming was the week before, so I'm coming out of that, which was, last week was weird, though, because it was our first regular week of school since the hurricane, basically, like, where there was no hurricane, like, the first week after the hurricane, we were kind of lax on dress code and stuff, because people still didn't have power, and then we had oh, spirit yeah. week, and then this, last week was our first normal, quote-unquote, week, um... And but grades are due next week, so then there was that like added anxiety, like because everyone's a little behind, and t- teachers and students because we were out for a whole week, um, and you know, and some people again didn't have power, so they couldn't access stuff at home and things like that. So everyone's a little panicked at the end of this nine weeks, which is not usually how I feel, but mm-hmm. uh, it's definitely there this year. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I've got most of my grade stuff done. I'm behind in a couple things, but yeah, it's like. Oh, so nope, it's the end of the nine weeks, and that's this Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. For yeah. non-teachers, that means nothing other than the kids will be getting their report cards. It means but... you get to ground your kids soon, and then you can have your TV back. It'll be awesome. <laughs> Especially if you share an Xbox with your kid, then you can ground them and play all you want. But um, mm, that doesn't matter because the Xbox always defaults to the parent. Ah, word. I, I I don't. I just bought my kid her own. It was like, get out of mine. So. <laughs> Um, it's okay because you can still limit the, the internet access via the app. Yes, there's that. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> man! Um, All these things I'm missing out on not being a parent, <laughs> torturing your children, and not playing Xbox. So not torture when they're not doing what they're supposed <laughs> That's to. That's true. That's true. But um, this week uh, we're going into our October-themed episodes. Um, Last year we did zombies and vampires and ghosts, and I don't remember what oh the my. fourth one was, but there was a fourth one. Uh, this year we're doing a little different ones. We're not doing the same list, but the, we're starting off with a little bit of lighthearted humor as we look at our favorite horror comedies. Um, and I, this is a subject that um, I have to say some of the movies that I think of as horror comedies aren't listed as horror in certain, like on like IMDb or whatever, but... Um, to me, if I can justify it as a horror, I'm counting it on my list. Um, okay. Uh, so I'm assuming I don't know how far you guys went um, with that as well, but. Um. Well, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. I'm curious to see how that. You, this was a tougher list because I didn't want to recycle, so that's where it's going to start well, getting tougher. You know, it was funny. It it kept feeling like I was recycling because we did the um, dark comedies earlier. I think earlier this year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, mm-hmm. and I was like, did I use this movie on that list? And I didn't, but then like, I distinctively remember discussing one movie, but I don't see it on any of my lists. So I don't know if it was just, we just talked about it on an episode. Um, and it wasn't on a list, but like, I had just seen it. Cause sometimes we'll talk about what we just watched or whatever. 
And I'm guessing that's what happened, but in my head, it was on my previous list, and I was like, oh, I don't know if I can use this, and I could not find any evidence to support that, and I went through all of the ones that would have been logical for it. So I was like, okay, good, because I was worried about overlap. But dark comedy is very different than horror comedy, right? Like, yeah. um, horror comedy yes. can be very light and very traditional comedy just with a horror setting around it. Um, so monsters or killing or something like that uh, in its in its wake. So I actually... Well, that, I mean, go ahead. that makes me think that I need a way... Because, I mean, I keep all my lists. I don't get rid of them, but wow. they're not in an easily searchable... Well, you can database. always do what I go our, through the website. Yeah, I was gonna say you can always do what our fans do, and go to burkreviews.com and search um, like a specific movie, and it'll pull up anywhere that it's on the site, I believe. So it'll tell you like which articles has it and what. Mm, so okay, okay. Um, I'm trying to think because that's basically what I did too. Um, not even. Oh. I was just I was really worried that we'd done this list before because in my head, like I'm like, is the dark list the same? And it was not, and I was just like, man, this just seems like one we would have done earlier. Um, and there is definitely, there is still some overlap on my list. Um, I, I could move one movie off and put one that I hadn't discussed on there, but I, I kind of feel like I'm not going to, so I'm just going to go with it. Um, I am, Spe- oh, go ahead, Mike. So speaking of dark, uh, I, I haven't verified, but this just came up about an hour ago about Harvey Weinstein. Oh, I, I've been seeing it all weekend. Yeah, no. It's, I didn't realize what was all going on. Dude, it's just, it's rampant right now on film Twitter. Have you heard about Andy Signor from the uh, Honest Trailers? No. He He's also been accused of sexual harassment. Um, Harry oh. Knowles, Harry Knowles, who was a uh, writer mm-hmm. and founder mm-hmm. of... Um, ain't, it, ain't It Cool? Uh, yes, he's a writer from Ain't It Cool, but he's a founder from Fantastic Fest in Austin, Texas. Yes. And yes. He, he was accused about two weeks ago of the same things. Jeez. And then uh, this all uh, seemed to originate from the other writer whose name now I will not remember, um, who w- worked for one of the websites um, that, again, I'm not going to remember because I actually didn't know the site existed, but he worked with um, Alamo Drafthouse, and he was let go because of accusations a couple years ago. And uh, I think from Fantastic Fest... Um, it, his name started appearing on like the the little blurbs they write for all the movies, and so it it was revealed that he'd actually been working, but w- without being without receiving public credit for the for Alamo Drafthouse for like two years. So the the owner of Alamo Drafthouse, it's just this, it's been this huge thing where it's just all of a sudden all these prominent people within the film uh, film critic community film community um, have had all these accusations start pouring out. I mean, obviously Harvey Weinstein being uh, the most powerful i would say of all of them as he you know uh miramax and then the weinstein company and his accusations are are quite possibly the the most like he definitely had the biggest um range of power to hold over somebody you know like offering them jobs or threatening their jobs if they didn't do whatever he was looking to do it is it's it's crazy how it's all happening now but I'm, i'm assuming the first incident has prompted other people to start you know coming out about it and not not staying quiet about it anymore like not feeling alone you know that it wasn't just them it's now no 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 it's it's way too many and it's disgusting and um you know it's it's a travesty that in today's time that there's still men who think that they can say whatever they want um and and push a woman or i mean all of the accusations have i believe been female but it, it could go either way i mean you could sexually harass anybody um, it does seem to always be a man in initiating, but it could be, you know, initiating towards a female or a male, but 
it, it's crazy that it's just coming out like it is. It's not, well, I guess I just didn't realize. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I immerse myself in the film community as much as possible, and it's been it's been a hot button topic on most of the podcasts that I listen to. Battleship Pretension slash Film have both talked about it extensively. Um, I haven't heard either one talk about the Weinstein Company yet, but it popped up on. Uh, Twitter, there were some people doing some hashtag um, what's your Weinstein moment kind of thing where other people were stepping up and sharing, not necessarily specific to Weinstein from what I gathered, the ones I read, just from being harassed by a person in power um, and like telling your, like sharing your story kind of thing. I am not very familiar with all of these people that you're talking about, but I did Google Harry Weinstein and I know that company, but it makes me sad because they have spouses and children. Mm, uh-huh. You know what I mean? And, yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of people are going to be hurt by this. Um, but at the same time, uh, in no way does that imply no. not to come out. Just saying, like, no. it's sad that it, people do these it's things affecting that affect so other many people other people. So badly. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so uh, I guess our topic kind of is something needed right now. Then we need to a little bit of levity in this otherwise dire time in the world where everything just seems to be crazy. It it appears possibly our president has declared war on North Korea via Twitter as of yesterday. Um, So, you know, uh, it's all this stuff is negative happening. I, I like looking to the comedies um, as a positive. In fact, I am watching 31 horror films this month. um, Like I did last year. And uh, me too. Oh, are you? I am. I'm keeping my list. Oh, well, Ooh, nice. I, I'd like you to do, if you wouldn't mind, and I, this is some business talk on the podcast, but if you could do like a write-up at the end of the month, like you don't have to write about each movie, just kind of your, what was your favorite, what was your least favorite, that kind of thing. Okay, okay. Um, just something. I was, I was debating, because you know how Instagram, you could do up to 10 at a time, I was going to do like seven-day chunks, and, and you I could haven't do gotten that. the posters. Um but I mean, I could do it all all at once for the one part, and then Instagram post yeah. of the ones that I've. Oh man, I've seen some. Whew. Anyway, don't want to get well, too far off track. I'm going to be watching a few that I have no, no information on, but I'm watching for a, a little uh, distribution company that um, they're going to have us start doing some some reviews for screeners and stuff. And I'm looking forward to you know building our brand a little more, getting out there. Um, you know, these will be reviews that will be a little more maybe exclusive kind of thing. You know, where they're not going to be everywhere necessarily. So that's I'm excited for that opportunity, um, and I think all three of their movies look like horror films, so I'm going to be watching those this month. But I watched a Criterion film today. Um, uh, I I was a teenage zombie. Have either of you seen that? No. Uh, the title I don't believe I've seen it. Just the title sounds familiar. Well, it's it's uh, the title is a very common one from the '50s drive-in movies, and the last year I watched I was a teenage were skunk, which was a modern movie. Um, were skunk? Yes, it's a funny movie. <sighs> It, it was on Prime. It's actually really good. Yeah. What's um, that on? It was on Prime. I don't know if it still is. I watched it last year on Prime, though. Um, and uh, well, the re- the reason I ask is because I went. I thought, oh, I'm gonna go with my go one of my go tos, and it's gone. Pontypool's gone from Netflix. Oh no! See, I almost recommended that to my students because I've challenged my students to try to do as many movies this month as they can in the horror genre. Um, not it's not a requirement. It's just like a, like pushing them to watch more movies. And I almost recommended that. I'm glad I didn't because I didn't get to ch- uh, to check to see if it was actually on Netflix anymore. But um, I watched that today, um, which is a horror comedy. It's the second worst Criterion film I've watched. 
but it's still it's still far better than that <laughs> other one. That we, um, but it's bad. It's like it's a it's definitely a B movie, but it's um, I think it's trying to be a B movie. Like uh, yeah, I don't feel like it was a a movie it was taking like cashing in on. On like I was a teenage werewolf. I was a teenage Correct. caveman. I was a teenage. But it's from the eighties. Yeah, it's home. from uh, I think eighty one or eighty three. Um, no, no, no actors. None of them did anything after this, from the looks of it. Like it's, it's. But it's uh, some of the practical like effects are pretty good though. Um, I gotta say, there's one really disturbing scene that the zombie, because it's it's not a traditional zombie zombie. Like he's much more sentient than traditional zombies. Um, he is undead though, so technically a zombie, but, uh, the initial zombie is a bad guy and then a teenage zombie shows up to fight him basically. Um, but, I, uh, I, I don't want to lose my thought. Oh yeah. Have you seen Larry Clark's, I was a teenage caveman. Cause no. that was like a re his redo of the, an older, it's bad. Oh, and see, that's, I was a teenage where skunk is a, is definitely a homage to the, the fifties teenage movies that you just mentioned as well, which, I really enjoyed uh, Teenage Werewolf quite a bit, um, but I also I rewatched uh, not rewatched I'm sorry I watched Sleepaway Camp for the first time uh, yesterday uh, um, at my wife's party. <laughs> my wife is not a fan of horror what? films, but uh, this what? was one she saw as a kid, and it has a special what? place. I know um, it has a special place it, for her. It's one she uh, she will watch apparently, and uh, she suggested oh. it. So I was like, uh, yeah, because of the because of the end, right? Uh, yeah, well, see, that's the, I know the end. <laughs> I know the end. Um, I, we've talked about the end on this show, I believe. I think you mentioned, um, because yeah. I think we did Wait Slashers. I think it was the other list that we did last Halloween, now that you mentioned it. I think it was uh, Slasher Flicks, and I think that was one of yours. And we talked about it on the podcast, and I already knew it before that. But um, I am, I'm going to be posting an editorial I wrote um, about my experience of knowing that big of a, a spoiler for that film and how it changed the way I watched it. Um like how my perspective was throughout the film, how I approached it. And then like the revelation of how I probably would have watched it had I not known the, the twist and, um, didn't, didn't tarnish the experience. I, I actually liked the movie quite a bit. Um, uh, the, I gotta say too, like, cause I knew the ending, right? Like I knew the big reveal, but I didn't know the creepy face. Oh, I see what you did there. Ah, oh. I didn't, <laughs> the, the creepy face the character was going to be making and the weird sound they were going to be omitting. <laughs> I did not even know that, um, and that that part stuck with my like that part creeped me out pretty good. I gotta say, I was like, "What's that face? And what's that noise? Oh my god!" And it just like it's still like kind of buried in my head, just like Rah! I'm like, "Okay." So, um, yeah. Uh, but that, I was I'm glad I watched. It. I actually bought it on Vudu for five bucks. There's a bunch of horror films on sale right now for five bucks. Um, I bought that, oh. and I bought. Um, one of my favorite that's not technically a horror movie, but uh, Teen Wolf was on sale for five bucks, and I could not resist um, owning, <laughs> owning my other are Michael you, J. Fox film from the eighties. So are you are you van surfing now? Oh, I van surfed all day today, Mike. That's how I get down. So. Oh, okay. So you know, speaking of watching horrifying things, I happen to pick up on a, a double H film that horrified <laughs> me, and I could barely get past the encounter with the mob guys at the bar you started watching it already job yes <laughs> and i couldn't get much further than that so that's not very far in it hurts oh. it hurt me sir oh hudson hawk how great are the um 
You, oh. well, you know, on our last great doesn't mean what you think it means. <laughs> I think was our, the the episode we did on spy movies, um, which I think was two weeks ago. Um, yes, it was two weeks ago. Um, I mentioned a movie, If Looks Could Kill, as an honorable mention because I I was too ashamed to put it on my top five because of Hudson Hawk, and I was like, I've already had one really lowly rated film in my top five. I don't need to add If Looks Could Kill. And then um, We Hate Movies podcast, uh, which I'm a fan of. I don't listen to every episode because if I haven't seen the movie that they're bashing, I don't usually get all the jokes, so I don't bother. Um, sadly, I've seen a far number of the movies that they do. But um, <laughs> uh, they did If Looks Could Kill the week that uh, Kingsman came out, like why we did our spy episode. And I'm like, well, look at that. So I listened to it, and lo and behold, not only do they still bash it, but all of them said it was an enjoyable movie. I'm like, that's what I remember. Like, I haven't seen it since, you know, 94, 95, but I thought it was really enjoyable, and they said basically the same thing. Uh, there's still, of course, the cheesy parts, and it's that's how I feel about Hudson Hawk. Like, I know there's some really bad stuff in it, but the humor in it just works for me, especially Bruce Willis, because Bruce Willis is having fun in that movie. Like... If nothing he else. is, but it seems like he's trying so hard. I think, I think there might be a direct correlation with the amount of hair he has to the quality of the film, because wow. he has a lot of hair, a lot of hair in this one. But see, you you make that, but then you're forgetting like Live Free and Die Hard and A Good Day to Die Hard, where he's practically he... shaved head. And... Oh, so that throws that. And let's theory. not forget, old Jai Courtney shows up in A Good Day to Die Hard. So, um. You know. Maybe he had his hair digitally removed for those. Ah, like Superman's mustache in the Justice League. Yes. All right. Yes. Speaking of. That's where a lot of the budget went. Before we get into our list, now we are going a little long with the uh, just the fun talk, but um, two things I want to bring up. One, the new Justice League trailer dropped today, and I don't like it. I don't, I don't like it one bit. Um, oh. It, it feels real slow, and that's maybe by design, because all their other ones are super fast, um, but... It just, and it's not necessarily like I'm not saying I'm not gonna like the movie, but I don't, I don't think the trailer brought anything that I was like, oh god, I can't wait. Like it was just, um, like it opens with Lois Lane, uh, like seeing Superman in a cornfield, that is either a dream sequence or a memory. I couldn't quite remember if that had been in another movie or not, but she wakes up with, um, after uh, like a visual match cut of her dropping soil on his grave at the end of Batman vs Superman spoilers I guess um and then it just it just doesn't bring me anything that I thought oh great I can't wait for this movie like there's a, a scene that I felt really contrived where Wonder Woman's standing on a statue of like of justice and I'm just like uh it just feels cheesy and I don't want it to feel cheesy like I want it to be really really good and I, I don't know that it's gonna be um which concerns me. So we'll see what happens. But I, I was not impressed. Um, and the other thing, Corey just got out of seeing Blade Runner 2049, which I saw on Thursday night and loved very much. I'd like to hear Corey's thoughts. I hated it. Wait, was that a joke? Or are you being serious? Yes. I was trying so hard to stay oh, straight okay. face. I loved every second of it. It did not feel like it was two hours and 44 minutes. Yeah, no, it did. I agree with that. At all. Ryan Gosling, Harrison Ford, both amazing. I also love Robin Wright so much. Mm -hmm. um, I loved it a lot. I want the score. Yeah, it's a I really hope they release it on vinyl. Because um, I rewatched um, Blade Runner, the final cuts, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. before I went to see this. I don't know which version I saw originally. Sorry, guys. Um, but 
the, the music in it, like, I'm sorry, but I think that saxophone has the highest per- chance to become really cheesy in music. And uh. <laughs> they used a lot of that in the Blade Runner well, I mean, score. It's, it's 82. What you I know. I know. But still, um, I just loved it a lot. I thought it was great. I thought visually, too, it was one of the most stunning films oh, I've beautiful. ever looked at. Like, it's such a great... Uh, I, I am I am so sold on on Denis Villeneuve, whatever however you say the guy's name. I am again just biting in on this that I can't pronounce people's names. So um, Denis Villa something awesome guy that I like a lot. Uh, I've only seen three of his I think six movies, but I, the, I've seen his last three, and they've gotten increasingly better in my opinion. Like I like oh. Sicario a lot. I love Arrival and Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Oh, so much is in my top. Um, Fifty right now, and so is Arrival actually. But they're both in my top fifty for like all time movies. Bill really, really enjoyed it too, and he was like, "Was that the same director?" So way to go, Denis Villeneuve, or your last name. Tell us how to pronounce it. Um, yeah. I thought he was like he did a really good job, like keeping the feel the same. Yeah, he did. You know? um, and I actually thought he elevated the film from the original. Oh yeah. So, wow. Um, I I'm super impressed. I, I can't wait to see it again actually, and it's definitely gonna be one that I buy. And add to my collection um, as soon as it's available, which might be sooner than later, because I don't know if you guys have heard, but it's not doing well at the box office. Which makes me so sad. Me too. Um, the original didn't either. No, it didn't. Yeah. People just don't get it. And uh, uh, what was another one? There was that one for sure. Um, uh, how could I forget? The Thing. The original John mm. Carpenter's The Thing. Yeah. Did just bombed. And oddly enough, because I, that's part of one of the. 31 i'm watching it opened the same weekend as blade runner when are you watching oh. the original oh that's right it did they competed and neither did and, well yeah so um it might be too he- I, I don't know i haven't actually i have actually not read spoilers i don't mind the spoilers so i might dig through some spoilers in a little bit it might be too heady and they might be over they might have overestimated the i don't know because I mean, sci-fi it's films, not everyone that knows. Yeah, but it's not everybody that knows Blade Runner and yeah. Philip K. Dick, yeah. and you know, it's it, it it has its audience, but it may not be sufficient enough to support. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't look like it because it's it's not there. I think people were expecting. I don't know that they were expecting like huge numbers, but they were anticipating. I think I saw an article that they were hoping for a hundred hundred million weekend. And it's nowhere oh, wow. near that. It's going to maybe hit 50 um, if that, you know, so, uh, which stinks because I think Gosling is amazing and Harrison Ford is great in this, um, which feels like that should have been a spoiler, but they obviously use him in the trailers, but um, yeah, it, it, it could have been a, a reveal. But I well, also think it was the one was the one trailer did it have Edward James almost because the one oh. that I saw recently Man. did have it, have him. I didn't see the trailer with him in it, but yeah, he's in the movie. Um, I got not the original. The original one trailers didn't have him. No, though. no, they didn't. Um, and I got to say too, uh, I feel like if you've never uh, seen Blade Runner, it it definitely helps. But I feel like the the story is told in such a way that you get enough information for this story to make sense, and it could play as like prompt you to go back and watch the original afterwards. Like I I think you could understand what's happening in this story because i do feel like it's self-contained enough that you wouldn't get necessarily everything like you definitely wouldn't have the emotional attachment to deckard but you would still be able to follow what was happening in 2049 
and then you could go back and watch Final Cut or whatever and get that story because they are while connected there's enough separation that I think you could do that I think now I, I have seen the other one several times so I can't necessarily take that out of my brain and and then watch it but just like looking at how he constructed this story I feel like you could get through it without seeing the original and have and still care about the story that you're seeing it, it you wouldn't feel completely out of it I th- that's my personal opinion. Corey might disagree. I no, I like um what are they called at the beginning where they like he told you the story, not like yeah. in depth with the characters, but if I hadn't rewatched it even he, they give you enough while, enough so. text to get the gist of the world. Um it, and it <laughs> it mentions what Blade Runners are, which is also a play on the original film as well because that's in the original film and there's the text at the beginning, but um, that, but we we do need to move on. We need to get into our list today. But uh, Mike, I definitely hope you get to check out Twenty Forty Nine in the theater. It's one you should definitely see on the big screen while you can. Um, but let's get into our list this week. Uh, Mike is going to be going first. Um, if you've never listened to this podcast, this is our top five movie list. We pick a, a topic and then in secret we make our individual list. We get together, we share our list, we make fun of each other, or we congratulate each other on a you know good pick that we maybe overlooked. There was a few of those last week. Um, with that said, uh, Mike's going to be going first. I'm going second. Corey will go third. Um, Corey. Guys, if you want to go to BurkeReviews.com and check out our list ahead of time, go for it. Otherwise, full steam ahead. We will probably be spoiling these movies for you. Yes, we, we do not always spoil the films, but we like to give a warning because if the reason we were going to talk about it requires us to say something about the plot or the end, we like to give you a heads up. Um, that said... The other thing we do is Mike has a tendency to have seen films that Corey and I haven't even heard of. And so we like to wager, Corey and I, on uh, how many of his movies we've seen. Um, I need to make a bumper. This feels like one of those Hollywood Babylon type moments where we're like, you know, <laughs> um, how many movies have we seen? But I'm, I, I let you go first last week, Corey. So I'm going to pick first this week. And it's horror comedies. It's a genre I feel fairly strong in. But Mike also has seen a lot more horror films than I I know I have, so I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go one. I'm gonna go with two. All right, so we went prices right. You always low ball, yeah. So that said, Mike, start us off. Let's see if we saw one of your movies already. All right, this first pick is probably likely one of my lowest rated, lowest rated, little to no acclaimed picks probably ever on my list. 1978's Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Ooh. It has 4.6 IMDb score. I am guessing no meta score because I did not make a note of it. 27% rotten rating, which totally fits with this. <laughs> uh, interestingly enough, uh, 42% of the audience liked it though so even though it has that rotten rated rating almost half of the people that watched it enjoyed it so that's odd how that is so as a very very young server monkey the premise intrigued me enough to probably be more excited about renting it than i should have been and it definitely (laughs) left me wondering exactly what i'd gotten myself into when i started going into it i mean the the song you know the way they it actually very is very Monty Python esque the way they go with the attack of the killer tomatoes and kind of going think of maybe when they sing about spam except now we're switching over to attack of the killer tomatoes which is basically the gist of the theme that the kids kind of repeat it and repeat it 
Um, there are no stars attached to it, to my recollection, and even the cursory check I did on IMDb didn't reveal any. I believe, I want to guess that George Clooney was involved in one of the sequels, but wow. I can't remember. <clears throat> um, no real budget. I think the number I saw thrown around was maybe 100000 which is like nothing. Probably most of it spent on tomatoes. Uh, <laughs> it's an exercise in the absurd. I mean, one of the key plot points involves tomatoes hearing. I'm guessing everyone here has watched Mars Attacks. Yeah, I have uh, mainly. Okay, well, we if you haven't watched Mars Attacks, I forget the song, but it's got a, that real shrill part of it, and it ends up just blowing up the Martians' heads. Right, okay. And so that's what they use. They use they, somewhere along the line, one of the characters notices, "Whoa, this is what's taking out the tomato, the tomatoes," and um, they go with that song. So they use music against tomatoes, which I don't quite get. It's not like corn, you know, because there are ears of corn, uh, but tomatoes don't. How do they hear? <laughs> and especially when there's a, another part of it, when one tomato has earmuffs. I'm sorry. Yeah, earmuffs to keep them, you know, protected from this music. So it's it's crazy. It's crazy. It it spawned or grew, I guess, on a vine. Three additional sequels, an animated series. I don't. Well, yeah, see, I, I don't know that. I this... saw the animated series. And oh my gosh, I, I, I don't even remember it. I'm pretty sure I saw this, but I don't think I can't like swear to it. So I'm not going to count it for the one I saw. I know I at least started watching this once. I may not have made it through the whole thing, but I was a kid, and I think it was on. I think Dr. Paul Bearer might have shown this on the like the weekend. You know, they had like the the horror films on the Saturday mornings or whatever it was. Like maybe oh, it was nice. Elvira. Yeah, I feel like I watched Uh-oh. it maybe in those cases. Um, and it was Return of the Killer Tomatoes that George Clooney's in. By the way, I I couldn't help but I am. Okay, so that was a whole ten tone. Ten, I knew he was involved, and it was one of his earlier ones. So that was a whole ten years after. And also probably when he was involved with the Facts of Life somewhere along the line because he's still got the big hair. Um, it, it, I, I don't I don't figure people would say this is a classic, but it, it really kind of is in the genre that it is. The memory of it will leave behind images in your psyche that will be tomato juice slash sauce drenched. Um, I, I wouldn't blame you or don't blame me if... Uh, if you're never able to look at tomatoes the same way again <laughs> after watching this, so that's my first. That's a fun pick. Um, I, I like that. I like that being on the list. I again have not. I can't distinctively say that I saw it. I definitely remember the. I remember the animated series. I don't think I watched it actively, but I definitely saw an episode or two because I think there were action figures from the animated series because it was the 80s time period when everything was an action figure. <laughs> uh, yes. And I'm, Toxic Avenger of all things. Yeah, uh, and I watched oh. that too. So, um, yeah, that's just a fun kind of idea. And I definitely remember the song from the animated series, though, being very like, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes or something along those lines. Um, yeah, that's what it is. Uh, that's exactly is. the line. So, Did um, they use you for it? Because you sound a lot like I, it. I, you know, apparently I can sing that song. Child star. <laughs> Uh, Jeez, Corey. you had a deep voice when you were a fetus. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> Corey, I wasn't even a fetus yet. Uh, Corey, <laughs> I've seen like bits and pieces, but I've never seen this whole movie. Yeah, I mean, well, I don't, I don't think Mike's necessarily even recommending it. Like, just no, 
yeah. But I mean, it's a humorous. I put it as categorized humorous Halloween or slash horror films. Yeah, totally. And this definitely fits the bill. Yeah, it's yeah. and it is listed on IMDb as a comedy action horror, so it counts. Oh. Um. All right. Uh, that is Mike's number five, and we're gonna go into my number five, which is a lot more modern, and um, I'd say a lot better received than uh, oop, well, if I can pull it up, but uh, Zombieland from two thousand and nine. Mm-hmm. Which um, does a lot for me in a lot of ways. One, um, I am a big Woody Harrelson fan, and I thought Woody Harrelson really got to shine in this particular movie. Mm-hmm. Um, this was probably the third or fourth Emma Stone film I'd seen at that point and made me a fan of hers. Um, and then I think, with the exception of The Social Network, this is Jesse Eisenberg's best film. Um, it's probably my most enjoyable, because I don't know that The Social Network is not always something I want to watch, even though I think it's excellent. I can watch Zombieland any day of the week. If it's on, I'm probably going to sit through it because I find it just super humorous. Um, I love the zombies. And it reminded me of how much I love Bill Murray. Um, and uh, What a great bit. One of the my favorite cameos ever is that particular cameo. And I, I don't want to leave off Abigail Breslin, who is always awesome um, in everything that I've seen her in, at least. And um, Zombieland just... It reminded me how much I love zombies. Uh, I think I got into this before The Walking Dead. Not that I think Walking Dead may have came out the same year or something that was close to 2009. Because what we're on like season eight, right, of Walking Dead now. Sounds right. So that would be about 2009 then that it came out. And um, I didn't see it when it first came out, but Zombieland came out, and I, and I didn't see that in theaters. I was way late to the party with it, but when I saw it, it, it reminded me how much I love zombies. And I started. I went and bought all the Romero films that I could find, and all of his zombie films, and kind of binged zombies for a little while. And I was super, super into uh, zombies. And then my friend um, from work gave me the Walking Dead season one Blu-ray, and was like, "Go check this out." And fell in love instantly. Even though I'm currently no longer in love with that show, um, it was. Uh, I think Zombieland kind of reminded me that zombies were my favorite horror monster too, and it's. Uh, been that way since 2009 they still are even though i'm not as into walking dead um i still love zombie movies i think more than any of the other monsters that exist in the horror genre and uh yeah but this movie it just everything works for me um i i find it super humorous um i like the ending and uh again bill murray man it's just i i want to be woody harrelson in that scene when he when he sees bill murray and he's like bill Murray, you know, <laughs> but we try to keep this this uh, podcast PG, so I won't I won't quote him exactly, but um, yeah, it's and his it's my search favorite for Twinkies. cuss word though. <laughs> yeah, we're I going to the movie. big BM. Yes, the big BM. <laughs> oh, and when, uh, and when what? Well, it's Abigail Breslin who in the movie who doesn't know who Bill Murray is, right? Yeah, she's never seen. Right, Ghostbusters. she has to be. Educated. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So funny. Them sitting and watching Ghostbusters is great. And even like his, uh, Eisenberg's talking like, what, what kind of guys is your sister like or whatever? And she's like, she kind of likes bad boys. And he just like dumps the popcorn. <laughs> just like, <laughs> like that makes him a bad boy. I, uh, I love, I love that sequence. It's easily one of my favorite sequences in that movie. But I, again, I like all of it. I love the, uh, when they go to the supermarket and you get to see Woody Harrelson kind of go ham with the, uh, the zombie killing. Um, it's just some great stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, easily when i think horror comedies that's one that um because the zombie scenes are pretty intense like there's some really graphic mm-hmm. deaths and some of the zombie makeups that make the, the zombie clown 
is freaking evil. Oh, yeah. when they're at the yes, and even when at the, I think it's the opening credits even where he's talking about all of his roles, and he's oh, like yeah. going through cardio and mm-hmm. like going through that whole sequence with it while it's happening. Mm-hmm. I. Yeah, and I love I love the way they they embed the text uh, from the rules on, into the backdrop. Like, there's so much stylistic stuff in the movie that I really enjoy. And um, you know, they they tried to bring because it was originally going to be a TV series, and then they uh, oh. that's what which ugh. that's what well, that's where you get the original TV series. That's why they have the zombie kill of the week bit in the movie because that was going to be a recurring element of the TV series. And then Amazon picked it up and tried to do it, but they tried to do it. Uh, by keeping the same characters rather than just making new characters in the world of Zombieland, which I think would have been a much better choice because you cannot replace Woody Harrelson with some... I don't even remember mm-hmm. who it was, but he was not up to par to replace Woody Harrelson's character of Tallahassee. And then um, I hear they're making the second one. I hear they are going to do the second movie. I hope it's. I hope they don't ruin the first one by doing a second one, but at the same time, it's a, it's a world I'm really interested in. I'd love to see a little more... Um, like especially if they do real time, like how much has the world changed in ten years? You know, are there more humans now? Are there, are is it become more like Mad Max? You know, type. I, I'd like to see the sequel. So I don't want to dwell on that too long. Do you guys have anything to say about Zombieland? It didn't make my list because again, it's so big. But it was on my honorable mentions. I cannot believe that Emma Stone is only twenty eight because I was. Watching La La Land again this morning. I saw that. And just, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, we were, I was ready a lot earlier than I thought I was. So we pushed back the time we were going to leave because we were going to be somewhere exactly at 10-ish. And it was on and I just was entranced. But I believe Zombieland was the one where I kind of took notice of her. Abigail Resnick had already seen earlier. And, and and you know and other you know little miss sunshine was on the other day mm. and just all around the talent of the cast just with everybody that was in there that's funny the clown zombie gets a billing right next to bill murray on the imdb app <laughs> um, that's awesome it's i don't know it's ruben fleischer oh okay okay i'm yeah. just trying to see what else he's worked on and this is, seems to be the biggest one that I recognize. Yeah. But yeah, just uh, and the way they do the names, they don't give you the names. They uh, wherever they're headed or from, and kind of going with that. Um, even even the the zombie girl that comes after Columbus, it, it, she's four hundred six, the apartment number. Yeah, yeah. not even a. <laughs> so it's, it's it's great. It's the only person that gets a name is Bill Murray, and why and not? Because he's playing he is Bill Murray. Yeah, because yeah. it's Bill Murray. Um, I, I saw Emma Stone Just, in The Rocker the year before, I think. Um, which totally I missed that one. I really liked it because I'm my music background. I just I'm a sucker for music like movies about bands, and uh, it's got uh, Rain Wilson is the is the older drummer who ends up uh, joining mm-hmm. a high school band with Emma Stone, Josh Gad, and um, I forget the other kid's name because he's an actual musician, not an actor. Teddy Geiger, or Teddy Long, or not Teddy Long, Teddy Long was in WWE, Teddy Geiger, I think, um, who is, uh, like a pop singer, um, and, uh, it's, it's, a, it's got Christina Applegate and Jason Sudeikis, Jane Lynch is in it, um, like, it's, it's a, it's pretty funny movie, it's not perfect by any means, but it worked for me, and, uh, that was where I kind of was like, Emma Stone's kind of cool, and then Zombie Lane came in, like, hey, that's the girl from The Rocker, and then it was like, okay, she's pretty great, and then The Help, and, I mean, Amazing Spider-Man. Um, you know, whatever. Let's just move on. Uh, Corey, what is your number five? 
Okay, so you guys have these movies with such, you know? Okay, my number five is 1991's The Addams Family. All right. Okay. I love this movie. And for some reason, I decided to rewatch it a couple weeks ago out of nowhere. And it was just, it was as great, probably better since I'm older and I can appreciate it more now. But um, I love Christina Ricci as uh, Lindsay Adams so much. Yeah. Um, and just the way that she and Pugsley absolutely terrorize each other. Um, cousin It, um, when he falls, when Margaret falls in love with him, and um, uh, sorry, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting names. Morticia and Gomez. I love their. I just love everything about the family. Yeah. Um, Christopher Lloyd as Uncle Fester. Yeah. Yeah. The casting choices were inspired. It, yeah, mm-hmm. they really were. Thing I loved everything about it and. Just to be totally honest, and probably because of my age, and this is what, because um, I've watched the old show too. I like the movies better. I'm sorry. Well, uh, I grew up on the the show, but I do love the movie, the film. I like both actually. I like the first and second one. Um, I haven't. I definitely think the first one's better, but there's some good stuff in the second yeah. one. Um, in oh, fact, I love when Wednesdays at the camp and yeah. they're doing like the Thanksgiving. <laughs> Well, I, I told I told my the wife Girl Scout cookies bit. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Are there actual Girl Scouts? Um, the, my uh, I was telling my wife this morning that um, the obnoxious woman in sleepaway camp, like the other camper who was like kind of risky, risque, if you will, um, reminded mm-hmm. me of the uh, the the that camper from Adam's Family Values, like her attitude and how she <laughs> like brought her like her little head nodding and everything. I was like, man, it seems like the girl from Adam's Family Values was like, hey, be this girl from Sleepaway Camp. Um, Because there's a lot of similarities there. But uh, you do realize that Lurch is in, um, um, oh my gosh, what's the game? He was in Star Trek The Next Generation. No, he's he's Moon Man in the movie we just watched. I can't think of what it's called. (gasps) Gregory's Game, Greg's Game. Gerald's Game. Gerald's Game, game. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can see that now under the makeup. is it? Carl, it's C A R E L. I don't know. Oh, stri- striking. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I can see it in the face. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Dang. I no- I noticed it when I because I I'm obsessive IMDb user, so like anytime I watch a movie, I'm gonna I'm gonna be on the app for way too long looking up information, and that was like I'm like, who's this guy? I'm like, hey, that's. Oh shoot! I'm surprised. Yeah, he was the okay. dream guy, mm-hmm. one of the dream guys. Um. I can't, I'm kind of surprised no one's mentioned Joan Cusack in the sequel. That's right. Well, I mean, we're t- Dang. To we be are fair, talking the first one. We are so. talking the first one, but yeah, Joan Cusack is great in this in this uh, the sequel. And um, I mean, Christopher Lloyd though is just as Uncle Fester because like I don't think I realized as a kid that that was Doc Brown. Like I, I'm fairly wow. confident I never it never clicked that it was the same person until I was an adult, and I was like. Oh my god! Because even I didn't realize the villain in Who Framed Roger Rabbit was Doc Brown for a long time, <laughs> because he's so transformative in both of like in those three movies. Like, yes, if you look him in the face, you can definitely see Christopher Lloyd. But at the same time, if you're watching the movie, that those characters are are light years apart, you know, between each other. I mean, there's a there's a little bit because in the first movie he's not Uncle Fester, but he's pretending to be Uncle Fester. But then it, by coincidence, mm-hmm. that whole twist. Um, we gave a spoiler warning. Um, but you know, uh, <laughs> it is um, later uh, that he starts being like lighthearted. But he's very there's kind of a, a evilness about him early in the movie. 
um, that is reminiscent of his character from Who Framed Roger Rabbit, but none of them are like Doc Brown, you know, other than maybe being a little eccentric, but yeah, sorry. I just, I, I just love him a lot. And, uh, you know, he kind of falls out in the later years, but, um, those, the, that time period, man, he just knocked out some amazing movies that are still in my, you know, I still love Adam's family. And I still love Who Framed Roger Rabbit and Back to the Future is in my top five movies ever. So, Well, I was I was kind of surprised. I didn't expect Raul Julia to play that role because you know he's mostly had been known for such serious dramatic performances, but mm-hmm. he just dove into it so well. He's so great. And I'm thinking, that. yeah. And Angelica Houston was perfect. And let's not everybody was. The- oh yeah, she is. She's. It's hard to believe, even like looking back at the movie, because I've seen her in recent stuff, and obviously she's she's older now. Uh, and she's still great. I mean, she does. She's in a few Wes Anderson films, um, and she's great in mm-hmm. those. But just like it's it's so transformative from all those years ago. Um, yeah, just great. Well, I'm thinking like I wonder if they would ever revisit that. Like Diego Luna as as Gomez will also play. Um, trying to think who would. I, I think Daphne Keene would have the face for Wednesday. I'm not sure who that um, is. Uh, X twenty three, Laura. Oh, from, dude. Oh, Mike's um, fantasy casting new Adam Family reboot. Let's do it. Um, just off, just off the top of my head, uh, you know. But um, anyway, all right. Well, dreams. Good pick, Corey. It's a fun childhood memory of a, a comedy movie slash with definitely horrific elements in it. I mean, I wouldn't say it's scary, but you know, the whole premise is like they're essentially monster family. They never uh, explicitly yeah. say what they are, but like Morticia, the lighting on her eyes is so blatantly from the old Bella Lugosi Dracula. Like it's, <laughs> um, it's so fantastic. Like there's little things that as a kid I enjoyed, but didn't pick up on a lot of those little cinematic elements. Yeah. Um, so it, it's it's fun to rewatch stuff like that and kind of see like all the things you didn't understand as a kid that you're like, oh my god, that's this is such a better movie than I thought. So yeah. All right, Mikey, what you got for number four? All right, I figure it's a pretty tricky line to toe to purposely infuse a horror film with humor and not lose the balance between the two, you know, to kind of delve too much into humor and and lose the horror element. And in my opinion, one of the most recent examples of this, when it works, is 2010's Dale and Tucker versus Evil. I believe it's Tucker and Dale versus Evil, but I'm sorry, Tucker and Dale. I mistyped it. I mistyped it. I fixed it everywhere else, and I don't know why I pushed Dale. Although your your way is probably more accurate because it is uh, alphabetical. But <laughs> so Tucker and Dale versus probably what I was doing. I'm like that doesn't sound right, but it's funny because I did fix it in my actual entry. So Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Just edit that in post. From 2000. I, honestly, I'm, I, Alan Tudyk is really, to me, what makes the film really work. And he's given quite a bit to work with, despite using, you know, the common Cabin in the Woods trope that isn't really new to viewers of the horror genre. The kills are bloody, and typically the, the kind of thing, you know, if it was a straight-on horror, would make someone flinch pretty. But the way they treat it, you know, we kind of are left laughing or kind of uncomfortably kind of giggling because it's just you're you're not supposed to laugh at that sort of thing and when it doesn't it, it doesn't matter what either tucker or dale try to do to help it always completely backfires and goes haywire and it made to me this a different type i, I didn't know what i was 
kind of go, going into and it, it was a very decent surprise it's it was well received i would figure it's 7.6 imdb score 65 meta score 84 percent fresh rating on the tomatometer and it matches that on its audience score as well yeah uh, it's I, I watched i'm curious this. if they would revisit this but go oh ahead. i've seen this by the way so that means i hit my one for this week um, I saw this last year, actually, during this, this time, if I'm not mistaken. I think I watched it during Halloween. Um, I liked it a lot. Uh, I, I'm a fan of Tyler Labine. I don't think he gets uh, used enough. Um, I find him to be quite charming and yet funny. And uh, Alan Tudyk is, is always great. Um, you put his name on something, I'm going to give it a shot, probably. Especially if there's comedy in, in, involved, because I, I just find his sense of humor so organic and great. Um, yeah. It's it wasn't I'm really what I liking thought. Him on the Orville. Oh, I see. I haven't checked out the Orville, but um, I, I was expecting this movie to be like just from the name, like Tucker and Dale versus Evil, right? I was expecting them to be like Monster Hunters, right? Like redneck Monster Hunters, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's not what this movie was at all. And mm-hmm. I actually think that was, I think the idea is funnier because it very much feels like a it could happen almost, like um things go wrong. Like, these guys are just going out to a cabin to, like, hunt or fish or whatever. And uh, things that happen could happen. Granted, it's exaggerated and it's heightened from what would really happen. But, I mean, it's definitely stuff, you know, misunderstandings and the uh, stereotypes and the, that, the whole thing um, that kind of builds from that is way more organic than I was expecting going into it. You know, I was expecting more surreal and fantasy, and it was definitely much more grounded. Um, I... Like I almost wish it was just Tucker and Dale get a house or like you know what I mean like this it, even the name feels like it could be like an earnest like regular like I'm surprised this is the only Tucker and Dale movie that we have because it That's feels what like I was wondering I'm, I figured they would revisit the characters again yeah it feels like we could and it's 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 been around long enough where it should have already by now I mean it's seven years definitely a cult film um it found its legs on Netflix from what I remember I remember a lot of people telling me like oh my god have you seen this movie Tucker and Dale versus Evil and I put it off for a long time, and then last year I was like, you know, I'm trying to watch all these different movies. I could go for a horror comedy, because I think I watched a few uh, bad horror movies at the suggestion of Corey last year. And um... <laughs> and she's out. <laughs> I only remember one, dang it. Interview with a Vampire, Bram Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't like Interview either. <laughs> I find it. I don't think that I suggested oh, no, Interview with Vampire you totally, to you. I thought you were watching no, that anyway. Maybe, but you, you vouch for it. You definitely vouch for it. I do. I love that movie. To be fair, I am in the minority. I think most people enjoy that movie. I I don't like... So, at the beginning, yeah. we were talking about making fun of each other. They were pretty much just talking about making fun of me. <laughs> Only I'm making fun of you right now. But, <laughs> but uh... Mike makes fun of me, too. <laughs> um, I, I want to point out... That... I'm, a Not yet interview... this... I'm an interview fan, so I'm like... I want to point out um, that uh, the director from Tucker and Dale, Evil, uh, Evil, his name's Eli, not Evil, Eli Craig, um, has a new movie out uh, that's also listed as a horror comedy on Netflix called uh, Little Evil that stars Adam Scott, which I've been meaning to watch. And oh. I'm probably going to watch oh, this I month. Wa- I have that on my in my queue. And it has Evangeline Lilly. Okay, I need to put it on there. It also has Evangeline like- Lilly, who is um, you know from <sighs> Lost, and uh, she will be the Wasp in the upcoming Ant-Man sequel. Um so yeah, it's, it's got a very da- um, Damien, yes. the Omen look, and but, even the the guy looks like um, what's his name from ACDC now, the, the little boy. Uh, yeah, Angus Young. Angus Young. Yeah, 
Um, yeah, I totally see that. Oh, Sally Fields in this too. Donald Ooh. Faison's in it. Oh, Tyler Labine shows Brown. up. Chris Delia, who I'm a fan of. Yeah, there's some people. I need to check it out. It's got a 5.7 user score, but no uh, Metacritic because it was straight to Netflix. So not enough people have reviewed it. I, I'm going to watch that this month for sure. Uh, I'm a huge Adam yeah. Scott fan, so I tend to give his movies uh, a go regardless of the critic acclaim just because he just, since Parks and Rec, I've just been a huge fan. So, all right, that's Mike's number four. Corey, have you seen Tucker and Dale? I haven't. Ooh, really? That's one you should check out. I think, I don't know, I know you're not participating in the 31 movies, but I think you should try to watch a few horror films that you haven't seen, and this one's a good horror comedy. Um, I think you'd enjoy it quite a bit. And it's a night, nice... Calling. I think that's going to be my first. Oh. Mm. No. I just watched that, and... Mm. What was it? The Howling. The Howling. Is that what uh, we're watching next week? I don't know. No, no we're, we're watching, watching The Fly. The fly. Yeah, 1958's The Fly. Uh, oh. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Nice. That's oh, all. I saw that pop up on that list. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. Yep. Um, mm, I, I would, I would go with this one over the Howling, and I, I really tried, I really tried to like the Howling, and I didn't get into it. But that's me. Probably what'll happen now is she will love the Howling. Um, I hate this. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> All right. Well, then let's get to my number four. Um, I, I actually just changed mine. Um, I was going to go with a more traditional film. That I was kind of debating. It may not have counted as a horror film, uh, at least not on IMDb. It doesn't. Um, and I went with a more modern film that I know I talked about on the podcast when I watched it. But I, I loved it so much. I want to make sure people hear about it. So I'm going to put it on the list again. And it's from 2014, a New Zealand film called Housebound. Oh, great um, one. Uh, Housebound um, stars Morgana O. Hold on, because it's cut off and I can't see it. O'Reilly, that's what I thought it was. Rimate uh, Wiata, who is also in um, Hunt for the Wilder People. Not as much as I wish she was, but she is in Hunt for the Wilder People, and she's fantastic. Um, Glenn Paul Waru, Ross Harper, Cameron Rhodes. Basically a bunch of people I don't know, but they're great in this movie. Um, The premise of the film is so intriguing. It's a young woman is forced to return to her childhood home after being placed under house arrest. Because even that opening sequence when they're robbing the ATM... And you witness the guy knock himself unconscious with the sledgehammer. <laughs> or kill himself. I can't remember if he killed himself or knocked himself unconscious. I just know he hit himself in the head with the sledgehammer. The movie, uh, I've only watched it once, but I loved it so much. I might rewatch it this Halloween just because I, I really do have just the fondest of memories of watching this movie. Like I was scared a few times, like genuinely, and I laughed really loud multiple times at this movie. Um there's some good twists in it. There's things that you don't see coming, uh, whether or not it's an actual ghost story or not, I'll leave up in the air, but man, it just worked in every way imaginable. Mike has seen it. I think Corey had also watched it last year. Um, cause I think I raved about it and was like, you guys have to see this movie. Um, you might've saw it before. I wrote a might. review for it guys. Yeah. That's, that's how we all kind of invested into this film, which it was on Netflix. I don't know if it still is, um, it might be. It's one that I, I bought, though, even while it was still on Netflix because I liked it so much. I wanted to give money to the uh, the filmmakers and, um, you know, try to spread the word about how good it is. Um, hmm. uh, a couple of different housebounds show up, but this is the 2014 one, right? 2014, um, directed yeah. by Jared Johnstone, and it's one word, housebound. Um, yep. Horror comedy that is... Again, genuinely, there are moments where I was, like, legitimately freaked out and scared, and then I would be laughing hysterically moments later. Like, they did such a good job of carrying that tone 
where um, you could because like Tucker and Dale. I don't think I'm ever scared in Tucker and Dale. It's it's a comedy with horrific visuals. Like there's yeah. stuff that's outright scary, and that's that's fine. I, I think Zombieland. There's maybe a one or two moments where like if you're afraid of clowns, you might be kind of freaked out. And the zombies are well done in Zombieland, but I definitely feel like much more leaning towards the the comedy and a lot less for the horror for me personally. Where uh, Housebound, I I legitimately remember feeling scared at times. Um, and then again, laughing harder than I'd laughed at many comedies that I saw last year. So uh, can't can't recommend it enough. It's it's my number four, and not that shouldn't be a discredit to it because the movies that are going to be following, while we often try to avoid some of the more obvious titles, I think mine are going to be very much up there with. Well, yeah, duh. Like that's going to be the reaction people give when I say my next three. So Housebound's on this list with some pretty big heavy hitters in the comedy horror genres. Um, so and a quick check on Netflix just now. It seems to be on streaming, so it is worth definitely worth one's while. Yeah, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen Housebound, uh, all three of us heavily recommend this movie, even if it's not on their list. Um, it did. It was a last minute addition of mine. I had been weighing putting it on. I was going with one that I was a little more. I felt like I could talk about more because again, I've only seen this once. That's why I'm kind of leaving a lot of plot details out because. I don't want to, one. I don't want us to take away from the experience because I do think there's a, there's a few twists in the movie, and I think knowing too much could take away from those moments. I think you could still enjoy the movie, right. but I think those moments are worth kind of experiencing fresh. So I advise you don't watch the trailer; just jump right in the movie. That's what we did. Um, just enjoy it because it's 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 the, amazing. The other thing I think New Zealand's overlooked as far as with the films that because uh, Hunt for the World of People, right? Oh yeah, that yeah. From that? That's from New Zealand. Um, um, there's a few TV shows my wife kind of picked up. I think via Acorn from New Zealand. Some you know uh, kind of like police procedurals, and South Korean South Korean horror is just a different take on oh, it. Oh yeah, it, it's grues- gruesome and emotionally involving, and yeah. So it's Train to Busan I, I, I also lo- on Netflix right now. Um, uh, I see the devil. I always bring up I see I saw the devil. I need to watch that. It just. Yeah, I, I'm thinking it's still on instant. I believe it's. I love American horror, I, but it, sometimes we some of these foreign films mm-hmm. get overlooked, and I'm glad. I forget where we discovered Housebound from, but it's just yeah. yeah I don't remember how I came accidents. across it. I think I think one of my students might have recommended it to me that you know that Netflix is like their only outlet, and they just watch everything kind of thing. Um, and I I went oh. on a recommendation. I think that's how I came across it, but um. I also uh, want another New Zealand horror comedy, What We Do in the Shadows by Taika Waititi. Yes. Uh, uh, another great that did so make my list. Oh, you haven't watched that? So you haven't watched that? Oh. Yeah, it's it's um, great. I don't know. It was on Prime for a while. Yeah, I think it still is because I was eyeballing it yesterday. One, that should have been on the list. But mm. Bummer. See? It's not on my list, but it's not on my honorable mentions. So, um, I just, but oh, I brought it up now because we were talking New Zealand. Very, very worthy, very worthy entry as well. Well, Corey, it's up to you now. What's number four? Dun, dun, dun. Oh. Um, I just watched this one for the first time recently after we recorded maybe our last one. But I chose 1981's American Werewolf in London. Mm-hmm. And I have... Um, I One of my favorite parts of this movie is um, Jack's appearances slash hauntings to... Uh, David and his um, progressing decay, stages of decay. Um, and then when um, poor David gets haunted really bad, when his victims come back and haunt him too. And I think that 
his uh, how like confident he is when he like in regards to um, is her name Alex the yes nurse yes mm-hmm. yes um, just how like confident he is and then uh, Jack like appears and it, I think that it's really funny but also. I- I need to do some more reading about the practical effects in this because I thought that they were amazing. Yeah, they are. They were. You talk about the hauntings and the one guy, remember, because there's – pardon? No, go ahead. Corey mentioned the hauntings and the, the three guys that were uh, – I don't oh. figure winos or homeless guys around that was burning, you know, the, the barrel that's burning. Yep. And yeah. that, that sticks out to me. He's like, he is no friend to me. Because, you know, he's like, we're talking about my best friend here. And he's kind of got he's haunted by the spirits of the of his victims. Mm-hmm. And you see them, how they died in a group. And the, there's the couple that's so cheery. And, yeah. you know, they have this rendezvous. Uh, me, uh, I think it's meet you. See you next Wednesday or meet you next Wednesday. And it's a, it's adult theater. And you're, you're like, they're trying to have this conversation. It's a pretty serious conversation. I In the middle of the, 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 uh, everything going on. Yeah. I do have a question about that scene why did he go there um did he think that he, he wouldn't get there wouldn't be like moon i just don't understand why he went there well, like the lo- it's not very populated the or... lore of this world like there the werewolf lore or at least the rules in american werewolf in paris do not appear to be tr- like because in some of the old werewolf movies if the, they didn't see the moon they wouldn't turn that does not appear to be how this works um uh, he turns without that's what seeing. i was wondering um so no i don't i don't think that was his intention maybe just a place to uh to hide out where it'd be minimal people or something i'm not i'm not really I sure the logic. i think speaks it speaks to his dead friend's character sensibility yeah. it's like he probably would have gone there anyway Uh-oh. so he's like well i'm dead and this is where we're going yeah yeah you're gonna give me a few moments of of enjoyment or something like because even the the adult movie that's on is pretty funny at points. Because there's the one guy like, "What are you doing?" And the girl's like, "I've never seen you before in my life." And it's just oh, like, "Sorry, just this like what? This isn't my room." It's such a weird. <laughs> yeah, it's like what? What is? They, they had John Landis had a good time doing. Making, yeah, you can tell. Yeah, they yeah. had a good time making this, and uh, it, it, it's a great balance between. <laughs> I'm the I'm the famous balloon thief. When he's taking those balloons from the boy. <laughs> yeah. That part's so great. You know, there's all these little bits of, that just, you're like, uh, what? What are you, this guy, it's so, you know, it's so weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, right. good pick. Good, definitely a good, good pick. pick. And left it off of mine for a good reason. Thanks, guys. All right. Uh, Mike, what's your number three? All right. So my number three is the Kyoto Brothers, and I've, I've butchered the name, but I apologize. 1988 classic killer clowns from outer space oh man since and speaking going back to the practical effects uh mini conversation we just had since i have such an affinity for it it should come to no surprise to anyone that this makes my list the idea that extraterrestrial life forms could take on the appearance of one of today's most triggering icons is well at the time a pretty wholly original conceit then uh, given the success of the modern adaptation of Stephen King's It, it seems a perfect time to welcome back these homicidal alien clowns. Um, ultimately, these clowns with a K, because that's how it's spelled. It's, it's uh, very alliterative, the killer clowns. Yeah. And that was the original working title, Killer Clowns, but they want to differentiate it from just being a standard slasher flick and added that from outer space bit to it. 
Um, to me, they seem like a, a much more demented instead of outright malicious uh, with kind of except with humans kind of getting in their way as opposed to, let's say, and this will be the second time I come up with it, but so maybe I should have put this on my list, Mars Attacks, uh, which several years later seemed reminiscent of this to me. I mean, the Martians definitely seemed much more intent on being as malicious as possible. Uh, but I, I don't know. It felt like they were just kind of being silly and just happened to be murderous at the same time. Um, unfortunately, sequels, uh, the sequel has just languished in development hell for a long time. It's been, uh, let's see, 88, so that's coming up on 30 years next year. So it's highly unlikely there's ever going to be a sequel produced. But it's well, just, uh, I, I feel too, even thinking about Zombieland, that clown definitely yeah. seems like a nod to these killer it's clowns. definitely possible. They're, this is a movie that I don't think I've seen, but I know a lot about um and in fact, I was at uh, Walmart last night, and they have you know they, every Halloween they get a bunch of different like horror movies out, and they have more than they normally have, and they have a collection of these new uh, Blu-rays that come with a really cool stylized like adult coloring book, uh, like in the oh, packaging, wow. and they have Attack of the Wait, Killer Clowns. <laughs> that sounds that sounds kind of weird. Okay, I not an adult color. like uh, <laughs> about a year <laughs> ago, weird. the coloring book fo- made for adults, not adult theme necessarily. Although there, there are go. some there out there, um, <laughs> have become a, a big trend. You know, that was something. Um, I had a friend who was going through chemo at the time, and sh- uh, she was using the coloring books to kind of pass the time. Um, things like that. So it's it's one of those, but they're really cool looking artwork. Um, and they have they're all the Blu-rays are seven and the DVDs are five, and they have Attack of the Killer Clowns. So I might I might pick that up um, for seven bucks. Oh, I didn't give this. I, yeah, I would say it's worth seven bucks, especially if it comes with a uh, coloring book. Uh, Six point one IMDb score. It doesn't have a meta score. Seventy one percent fresh, although the audience score is quite a bit less. It's fifty nine percent. But it's it's I, I really am. St- I am. I like the the CGI aspect. However, the practical effects just really work. Mm. Um, and there's something. It's a lost era. So maybe it's just I'm being nostalgic. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. Um, Corey, have you ever seen it? I've seen bits and pieces of it, but yeah, I think I'm in the same boat. I think I've seen. I definitely have seen clips. I, I know I've never sat through the whole movie. I've always known about this movie though because of I think Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Uh, Mike has two killer movies, by the way, um, on his top five. It's a theme. But, um, all right, well, that leads to my number three, which is An American Werewolf in London, um, Ah. which I just watched uh, on Friday, I think. Yes. Um, And I swore I'd seen this before, but I don't think I watched it in the right way. Like, I either watched it on regular TV, like sci-fi or something, um, or I didn't give it a hundred percent of my attention because it felt like a different movie than what I remembered. Like I remembered those, I remembered several scenes from the movie. Um, so I don't know, maybe I was wrong. I was very confident I'd watched it though, but I loved Pun- this movie. Punifit, punishment cave. Maybe. Probably. No, uh, I feel like I watched it recently, like within the last two years and huh. I'm not sure, uh, exactly what, maybe I watched it on sci-fi and then it would have been really cut up and. Uh, extended probably to like three hours because you know they like to add all the commercial breaks and th- stuff like that um which is it's not a three hour movie by any means but you add enough commercials in it and it can be um i i loved it from the beginning like the opening sequence was just great i i really love both the characters um oh somebody's cracking up uh griffin dunn and david uh naughton is that right Yep. Um, they're just 
both hilarious and uh, the balloon thief joke that you brought up mike is great the obviously the practical effects the him transforming into the werewolf is horrifying and awesome at the same time and even the nightmare sequence of the nazi mutants uh attacking mm-hmm. his family during the muppet show no less um just Jeez, can you imagine trying to get the clearance for that oh uh, my jim God. hey mr henson um we want to use a bit of the muppet show yeah. okay um sure yeah, I just can't imagine trying yeah. to negotiate that. And then Nazis are going to show up and kill a bunch of people, including two children who are watching the Muppet Show. Is that okay? Uh, Yay! <laughs> oh. I mean, um, which is we we Corey and I went to Halloween Horror Nights uh, the last like four years. I think this is the first year we haven't gone in like the last four. I think, and twice they had the American Werewolf in London house, and it was our favorite house both years. It was it's just great and. Um, I, I didn't get the mutant Nazi. Like, I didn't remember that scene when we went to the house. So I was just like, why are there, like, werewolves with guns or, you know, whatever? Because they, they're, to me, they look more werewolf than mutant. But from what I saw on, like, Wikipedia and stuff, they're, everyone calls them mutant Nazis. So, okay, fine. Um, but still, like, they're, you know, uh, just, it's just so crazy. And uh, the movie is amazing. Um, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but John Landis's son, Max Landis, is yeah. a writer. Um, he's done Chronicle, uh, American Ultra, uh, Mr. Mm-hmm. Right, um, and a couple other things that aren't coming into my brain right now. And supposedly, uh, he's rewriting and directing an American Werewolf in London remake. Um, it is in production. Um, his dad has uh, told him not to do it, not in like a way like you can't do it, but like he didn't recommend that it's you know you're taking a big risk. This is a it's a cult f- favorite. You you know there's gonna be people who if you don't do it right are just gonna hate it. it there's gonna be people who hate it just because it exists as a, a remake, but then there's gonna be people who are really hard on it because they love the original. He's gonna have his Xbox taken away from him. Yeah. So I don't know, you know, what he would why he feels compelled to do it. I wouldn't mind a sequel. Um, like obviously they did the sequel, The American Werewolf in London, uh, Paris, with um, the guy the, whose Yikes. name I can never remember, but he's got Tom it. Everett Scott. That's it. Tom Everett Scott. Um, I never saw it. I just remember distinctively uh, Bush having the song "Mouth" on the soundtrack. But um, yeah, uh, it's funny you bring up the soundtrack because how do you compare it to the original? They had Blue Moon, totally yeah. fits. I see about Credence. Uh, Bad oh. Moon Rising. Oh, that just you know, which again, totally fair. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep. Yeah, it, it's it's such a great movie, and I love the relationships between um, uh, the the friends, and then I love the relationship that develops with Alex. Like it, it feels so organic. Um, and I, I my review is up on BurkeReviews.com for the movie because uh, I just watched it the other day. And I'm really glad that I did. It's it's one that I now I think I'll rewatch every year. Like I, it's become an instant favorite for me, and that's why it's number three on my list. Um, all right, Corey, what do you got for number th- uh, three? I have, and I um did go through the list, but I didn't look at zombie the zombie list we did. So sorry, guys. Um, mine is from 2014, Life After Beth. Oh, okay. It, I love this movie so much, and I think that this is what gave me high hopes for Dane DeHaan, who I'm no longer friends with. Um, <laughs> oh, is he not coming over to dinner anymore? No, we're not talking. Um, Jeez. I love Aubrey Plaza so much, and I think that 
she's just really great in this. But it also has John T. Riley, Molly Shannon, Aaliyah Shawkat, Paul Reiser, Anna Kendrick, Jim O'Hare. Oh, wow. um, so there's two from Parks and Rec. Um, I love that um, Beth, when she dies, um, her boyfriend Zach is having trouble coming to terms with it. But he ends up discovering she has somehow come back to life. Um, but she now suffers from very violent mood swings, and she loves smooth jazz. And <laughs> I just love that the zombies in this movie chill to smooth jazz. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's my number three, guys. Well, who, who wouldn't kill to smooth jazz? Uh, Sebastian, <laughs> probably. Um, you know, uh, you know, you got to watch out for those jazz musicians. So, well, I have Tom. Um, but I am I am excited. Um, actually, I I just gained access to this movie, and I will be checking it out um, this month. And now I think more because it's on your it's your number three, Corey. And I'm I'm I am a big fan of uh, Aubrey Plaza for sure. Not as much of Dane DeHaan, just, but yeah, negative. But the other the rest of the cast sound great. So yeah. I'm with you. I need to yeah, I need John to watch T. Riley this. and Molly Shannon play her parents, oh, okay. and then I think that Paul Reiser. Plays one of his parents, maybe. And I feel yeah. you mentioned it before, so I'm like, yeah. I have. It's on the zombie movie. So. It's okay. I actually forgot that it was on your zombie list because it's similar. No, it's not similar, but there's um, uh, Bearing the X, the Anton Yelchin film, um, where uh, you know his girlfriend dies, and um, he was ready to break up with her, but she dies, and then she comes back because I think he said he'd love her forever. Uh, and like there was like a weird voodoo statue thing. It gets a little contrived, but it's got some funny stuff in it. But uh, this seems, I don't know. Uh, it it reminds me of that movie for some reason. So I might have like mixed those two up in my head or something and thought because I have seen Burying the X, not seen this one. So. Yep, I saw Burying the X, which I liked. So yeah. in the same very them- similar thematically. It has Alexandra Daddario, and um, I think that's how you say her name, and then. Um, I am Anton Yelchin just does no wrong. Everything I've seen yeah. him in, I love. So yeah. just tragic. I think that's why we went that that route over Life After Beth because still sad, sad about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we still have some movies coming out this year though. Or yeah, yeah, his his final couple. Oh, all right. Um, Life After Beth is one I'll be watching, and we're gonna go to number two. Mike, what do you have for your number two? All right, well, at the time of this uh, pick's release, 1990s Tremors didn't really make sense to me. The poster featuring Kevin Bacon's name was, you know, his name was prominent, and it was a definite rip on the classic Jaws poster to me, but with no water. So I was confused, to put it mildly. And as the film went on, the interaction between Fred Ward and Fred Ward, who I first remembered and a little scene action comedy called uh, Remo Williams The Adventure Begins, which I felt was grossly overlooked. Anyway, between Fred Ward and Kevin Bacon uh, in a sense kind of reminded me like a like predecessors of uh, Tucker and Dale from my other pick. Uh, you know, it's kind of going back and forth, these kind of bumbling backwater guys that are just wanting, you know, they're not wanting to fish, they're out in the middle of the desert, but just, and, and they kind of kind of try to help in a sense of it. It just doesn't go as badly as, as what it does for the other guys. My other surprise in it was seeing Michael Gross in a role other than that of um, Mr. Keaton in Family Ties, especially, you know, he wasn't oh. playing an all-American father 
he played the the full-on NRA. He's fully automatic. I think it was him. I want to say Reba McIntyre, but I don't think that's right. Yeah, she's in it. No, you're right. I'm looking right okay. at her. Uh, okay. Um, so between those two, they're the gun tone, gung-ho, and I'm pretty sure my, uh, Michael Gross makes an appearance in um, – in some of the, at least one of the sequels, and I, I'm glad I didn't read because his character's name was not Michael Keaton; it was Stephen Keaton. Michael Keaton's the oh, actor. Yes. Um, uh, so overall, the the humor I think outweighed the horror in this tale of sand snakes in the desert. I can't. I don't know how else to describe it. Uh, the creatures, because that's really kind of what they are. They they don't have legs. Uh, it, it must have stuck. It, so it spawned four sequels. None of the others had a theatrical release. They were just direct to video. Um, let's see. This one had a TV 7.1. I'm, I'm, see, I don't remember the series. I must have missed that. It, it was a few years ago. It's not that old. Um, I, okay. I didn't see it, but I remember hearing about it. I actually, I've seen the first one, but I don't think I've ever sat through the entire thing. Um, kind of the same. The way you described your initial reaction was kind of my reaction to it. And so I kind of never went back to it. Um, I did enjoy the parts that I watched, but it was like, I think I put it on, it was on like HBO or Showtime uh, a couple years ago and I was watching it, but I had to leave. So I didn't get to finish it and I never went back to it. But um, I also want to point out that Ariana Richards, who plays Lex in Jurassic Park and very, very briefly in The Lost World, is plays uh, Mindy in Tremors. So, Oh my gosh. See, I totally, I didn't really place that. Or, I liked her. She doesn't do movies anymore, does she? I don't believe so, but um, yeah, but I, you know she's really good as Lex in Jurassic Park, so I, I like seeing her yeah. and stuff. But it is. Let's see. I didn't get the stats. Seven point one IMDb score, sixty five meta score, eighty five percent fresh on the tomatometer, and the seventy five percent audio score. Yeah, I, I do need. I want to pick that one up and watch it. Man, I'm, I'm kind of feeling like I'm fin- fle- like fleshing out my list here with some of these movies. I mean, I already got <laughs> a bunch I want to watch, but I'm like, man, I really want to check some of these out because i'm planning on rewatching a few um like i'm i'm wanting to rewatch the thing and i want to show that one to my daughter if i can convince her to watch it um but uh yeah that uh interesting pick for number two i need to check that one out Corey, have you ever seen tremors i have only seen bits and pieces i think maybe it was playing on sci-fi or something i don't know <laughs> yeah it shows, um, it shows a lot on there yeah but i haven't watched the whole thing so that means I have won this week, I think, because you have seen, not seen his first four. So I have seen uh, one, two of yours, Mike? I don't remember. But one for sure, and then I'm pretty sure I saw Attack of the Killer Tremors, but I'm not counting it. So definitely one so far, and part of Tremors, but uh won't count that, obviously, because I have not seen all of Tremors. But um, I, I'm now you know, more sold on it. Um, my number two is, again, maybe a little more obvious. Um, it's one of my favorites in the genre for sure and it's evil dead 2 um, oh, yes. i love evil dead i want to point that out i am a fan of the original one but i actually find the original one to be more scary than comedy and i feel opposite with this one i really feel like the comedy is brought to its uh to a head here um nothing beats the uh him fighting his own hand um mm-hmm. it's it's just brilliant uh him, you know him creating the chainsaw hand everything about this movie is amazing I love um, Bruce Campbell so much in this film. Um, and Sam Raimi, this is, in my opinion, it's his best film. <laughs> There's Obviously, that's not a popular opinion because he's got some big ones. A lot of people love Spider-Man 2. I am not a fan of the Spider-Man series any longer. 
Um, but this movie holds up. I, I still think this one. In fact, I'm planning on rewatching both Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2 um, this month. And I, I'm hoping to show my daughter, despite the uh, excessively bad language and uh, sexual innuendo, if that's probably... Yeah, being... the trees, the trees. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. oh Jesus. Um, but, you know... Uh... You, you could start, because I agree with this as a pick, but Army of Dark... Oh. Yeah. I hate calling it that. I always want to call it Medieval Dead. That's what it should have been called. <laughs> they, they really dropped the ball on that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Army of Darkness is definitely um, an easier watch, I think, uh, for the kid at least. Um, and I like I like Army of Darkness, but man, it just doesn't it doesn't compare to me for Evil Dead Two. Um, no, it is it is different yeah. level, different level. Way campy. Yeah, definitely. And they were going. They, I think they were going for that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it it almost feels like it pulls from like the Holy Grail in in some ways, just maybe because of the knights and stuff. But um, just like I don't know. Like again, I I like I have all three. Like it's it's a series that I'm a big fan of. But Evil Dead Two just is the the epitome to me. When I think horror comedy, it's among the best. Um, and again, it's definitely it earns the R. Uh, and it, it's man. It's one I I'm, I can't wait to watch this this month. Like I I really I actually get excited for like you could watch this anytime, but there's something special about it because it is still horrific. Like there's some really mm-hmm. messed up stuff in it, but it's it's also it brings the humor in so many ways. Um, yeah, Evil Dead Two is my number two. I agree. I agree. I, I might lean because the first one is definitely does, doesn't have that tone. It's much darker, yeah. much more serious. Which and they basically retcon. the second. Like in the opening of this movie, okay. they, they they retcon a lot of what happened in the first mm-hmm, movie. They mm-hmm. they alter how many people go to the cat. That's you know what I'm saying. Like the yeah, first one, yeah. is, it's not in the same tone. So they it's like a, re- it's like a redo. They're yeah. Like, All right, let's fix this, and then they made it a little more accessible. Yeah, a little and more, a little third. more cheesy. In, mm-hmm. a, in a good way. In a good way. Like you know, the jokes are are crazy, and his personality is so big. You know, the uh. Oh man, it's, that's the Ash that you get in Ash versus Evil Dead, where like the Ash in the first movie <laughs> is not that guy. You know, he's not heroic no. in any way. Yeah, you definitely see the transition, especially from Evil Dead Two to I'm just gonna say it, Medieval Dead. You know, the, this is my boomstick. Yeah, and the whole <laughs> I love that part. Yeah, there's so I I might lean more towards Medieval Dead, but I I definitely can see picking this one. All right, well, there you go. Um. Corey, you have anything to add? No, great pick. I love that movie. I love the series too. Well, I, I need to watch the show. I actually only saw the first episode at I, Mike's house last year. I need. Uh, I, I and I haven't fully watched any much further than the first few episodes. I'm way behind on it. I bought Phil the first season for Christmas last year, and guess what? Still not open. <gasps> you know, there's two people in Florida. Actually, <laughs> does it come with a digital copy? Because oh, I don't know. You I'll might need to pop it, it open. I saw it in his office the other day. I'll go look at that after we're done recording. Yes, yes, please do. Um, all right, and let's move on to Corey's number two. Well, what do you know? It's 2014 Southbound. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Um, I too have only seen this once, but um, in at your suggestion, I watched it and I loved it. Um, Morgana O'Reilly stars as Kylie, a woman sentenced to house arrest um, in a supposedly haunted house under the care of her mom and stepdad who annoy her greatly. Um, I 
loved everything about this movie. I thought they did such a good job with the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And like you said, like you go from like legitimately being nervous, scared, you know, to laughing your butt off because it is so funny. Is. Um, and I loved the use, um, you know, like the use of the camera angles. Um, I just loved everything about this movie. I loved the twist in it and I didn't see any of them coming. I just think it's a really great movie. Uh, yeah, I, I'm glad that it's on your list too because again, I I don't know if there's a, like it's hard to argue that there's a better horror comedy where like, I, again, it's real horror and real comedy mixed together yeah, so perfectly blended. It, yes, where you are breaking back and forth between those two you know, I don't want to say emotions, but you know, those way different feelings and they're both yeah, yeah. very legitimate. They, they earn both. Um, there's never making fun of the horror. Like you're the, the comedy's just funny, natural, com- you know, comedic moments. I mean, Oh my, even the twist in the movie, which I, again, we're trying, we're being very good about not spoiling this film because we know it's very likely the people listening have not seen this movie because it is not a big, <laughs> You know, movie like some of the other ones, like Evil Dead Two. Most people have seen American Werewolf in, in London. A lot of people have seen. I was actually surprised how many people on my Instagram were like, you know, commenting on my picture. I put I put a picture on there when I was watching it of the transition of him, you know, changing into the wolf, and like just a lot of people were just, oh yeah. And I mean, I'm, I know it's a big movie, but it's like people that I know personally who I I wouldn't I wouldn't even necessarily guess they like horror mil- movies were like, you know, excited about that particular one. Um, Housebound is on the other end of the spectrum where I think most people have not heard of it and it's free to watch right now if you have Netflix like it's not free to watch but so many people have Netflix it's almost ubiquitous at this point and you just kind of assume that people have it because it's it's in the zeitgeist so much everyone talks about Netflix all the time Netflix series etc check out Housebound uh, both Corey and I recommend it her number two so unless it's not Mike's number one <laughs> um, it did make his list but um, Mike what is your number one my number one, uh, I'll be honest, I think I might have had American Werewolf in London in my honorable mentions, but I may not even include it because I wanted a couple others besides that. Mm. Um, so, in any case, it didn't make either of my lists. As much as I love the original of this continuation of the classic Night of the Living Dead, the Return of the Living Dead Part 2 from 1988 was always more of a joke than either of its predecessors. Um, well, the well, part one, which it wasn't part one, it's just Return of the Living Dead, uh, definitely had more some moments of dark humor. Actually, quite a few, to be honest. Yeah. Part two overall seemed to be a whole lot more sillier than I think it was originally intended. I don't know if it was done by design or just... Uh, they had a couple of the same actors. Uh, I want to say... I don't think Clue... Uh, I forget, but there were a couple that were that kind of made an appearance as different characters in this one, um, and this I, I feel like this was uh, all, all of the Return of the Living Dead flicks were exponentially worse after this. Uh, this was the beginning of the end, I, I think, for the franchise, and no other entries have kind of lived up to the return original Return of the Living Dead or Night of the Living Dead level anyway. And maybe this time for the property to be rebooted redone something Mm -hmm. but on the same note you know it's possible that the zombie genre is just so oversaturated at this point and it might never be done Uh, zombies and humors do mix Uh, we we find that for sure in zombie land 
uh, in, in subpar films. It, it, it mixes. Um, but this one is one of the go-to. By the time you get to the parts that the zombies give a little bit of a nod to Michael Jackson's thriller, you're probably, you know, thrown in the towel. And because of that, I mean, it really does. It, it really does get it to that point, and that's not giving anything away. It's like, whoa, wait a minute, this is this is not, you know. And so I'm like, you're you're laughing at it. It's humorous, it's just, but this isn't. That wasn't the ride I was expecting. No. Uh, it makes my number one because it's. It, 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 I do love my zombies, and not everyone may have seen this one, and it may not sound like a glowing recommendation, but it definitely would be a fun trip you know go return of the living dead and then return of the living dead as a double part two as a double feature to it and kind of going with that uh the stats uh 5.8 imdb score it doesn't have a meta score shocking shocking zero percent on the meter oh wow uh and 43 percent audience score yeah i'm like wow i didn't know if that was an error it didn't load it i tried this several times it had zero percent how many reviews does it have does it say um, I'd have to dig it up. Got I don't it. Yeah, don't worry about number it. wise. But, um, but I'm like, that just seems really odd. I do want to point out, if you scroll down far enough in IMDb's uh, cast list, Doug Benson shows up as a special zombie in Return of the Living Dead Part 2. So See, there it is. That's Maybe we need to hashtag him when we post this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's he, he's talked about it on the podcast a few times. Not our podcast, his podcast. Um, that he was in this. He's movie. totally been on this podcast. Yeah, sure. Um, we've yeah. had so many guests. Uh, but <laughs> um, I haven't seen the second one. I've only seen the first one, which I think I watched last year. It may have been the year before. Um, definitely out there. And I was just mentioning the uh, attack of, or the killer clowns from outer space that they have that Blu-ray uh, with the cool coloring book thing on it. Mm-hmm, um, they mm-hmm. also have Return of the Living Dead like that as well for seven bucks on Blu-ray. <gasps> So you might need to hit up Walmart, Mikey. Uh, so, because I almost bought that one last night. Like I was, it was in my hand, but I bought the uh, the fiftieth anniversary um, Night of the Living Dead Blu-ray uh, instead. Not not with that cool coloring book, but I, I couldn't resist because um, I didn't. I don't own the original uh, Night of the Living Dead. I only own the 90, 1990 remake, um, which I like, but it's not the original. So I wanted to own the original, and that was seven seven bucks to on blu-ray and i was like well it's the 50th anniversary edition i'm i'm buying it so. it's hard not to go wild when they have those end caps of all the uh i know horror movies especially because sometimes I, I haven't been in this year well like last year they did the pop art which wasn't for horror movies but they had like the pop art psycho pop art uh birds pop art oh yeah those are and i love the the box art but i'm like i already own these movies twice do i need a, a third version just because the, the art's cool and the answer was no i didn't but still it was very tempting um but let's get to my number one. And my number one is is anytime I can talk about these movies, apparently I will, um, because they are among my favorites. And it is uh, 2004's Edgar Wright directed Shaun of the Dead. Um, if you don't know this yep. about me, Edgar Wright is my favorite director. I love all of his movies, um, almost to the point where I have fanned out too much at this point. And I think including it on this list is just further proof of that. Um but I, I love it. I, I taught I taught his films last year to my students, um, and in fact, they're watching Baby Driver this week because it is now available. And um, I, I think any chance I can talk about his films because while they're big, they're not big enough in my opinion. They're not they're not in everybody's uh, viewing history. You know, m- many people for sure. But Shaun of the Dead was his first uh, major release. Star Simon Pegg, Nick Frost. 
um, and uh, some cameos from some other big name, Bill Nighy being one that plays his dad. Uh, there's lots of nods to zombie movies that we love, including We're, uh, we're Coming to Get You, Barbara, um, line that Nick Frost gets to drop. I mean, I know this film inside and out. I've seen it so many times. Um, I've taught this film, so I, I literally, I've, I've done my research. It still holds up as one of my favorites. Um, it, it's We were talking about Housebound's ability to carry the tone. I don't think there's any true moments of horror in this movie. Um, there's one gruesome death that maybe could qualify, but I don't think I ever feel scared. However, I do feel sad and worried for the people that I've grown to love. I, I love the characters in his movies, and I don't want them to die. And so there is a moment where I feel that fear, but I don't feel like like dread like you might in a, in a zombie film because of the general lighthearted tone and, and humor that this movie carries. Um, and I, I could see maybe again, I am zombies are kind of my my thing. I've seen zombie movies, um, especially zombie comedies, which Mike pointed out. I think I've avoided a lot of the there's tons of zombie films I've not seen, um, including some that are Nazi zombies. But um Mm-hmm. I've seen mm-hmm. a lot of the comedy ones, and um, this one's uh, again among my favorites. And I couldn't make a list for horror comedies and not include Shaun of the Dead, as it is—it's just too important to me um, as a film. Like uh, Edgar Wright's sensibilities really click with my personal tastes and sensibilities, and so when I'm making a list, I, I have to include it. So, Shaun of the Dead, my number one. Great pick. Um, it's on my honorable mentions. It definitely leans more toward humor, I would say, but mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with it. It's no. uh, it, it, I mean, it it pays respects to the, to the genre, and time. then you, you still have it's a very cute story and mixed and with ha- you know with zombies in it, and a, a great story about best friends, you know. And there's some some great stuff. Uh, Edgar Wright, one of his signature traits is. At the beginning, when they're sitting at the pub, and he's um, after he's been dumped by his girlfriend, they're getting really drunk. Um, Nick Frost makes a plan for like what we're gonna do this weekend, and everything he says comes to fruition in the film. But it, it, he he wasn't meaning it in the way that it comes to fruition. You know, um, you know he's he says things. I, I I could pull it up. It's online. Someone else has broken this down. But like he says, we're gonna go do this thing, and then that thing happens, but in a her you know a twisted horrific way. And Wright does the same thing in. Um, the world's end uh they outline what their their night's going to be going to all the pubs but the names of the pubs actually have double meanings they are the names of the pubs but they also end up each scene at those respective pubs has something that plays on those names so it's uh and baby driver it's similar as well as the openings uh there's a scene where he's flipping channels through the tv and everything that's comes across on the tv has something to do with the plot in some way so it's a it's a right signature, and I, I like it. You know, he kind of outlines the movie for you in some interesting way that could be totally overlooked if you're not looking for it. But sorry, I just film nerded out for a second. But Corey, what is your number one? Well, sorry, it's really dark here, and I don't have the light on, so I'm having to use my laptop as light. Okay, but I write on paper. Um, so mine apparently I chose 27 movies from 2014. Actually, this is the <laughs> third one <laughs> out of five. But you guys mentioned it earlier, and I couldn't leave it off my list, even though I think it, too, was on my zombies list. It is Burying the X. Oh. <laughs> I, oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I was trying so hard to be so quiet when you guys were talking about it. I love Anton Yelchin so much in pretty much everything I've seen him in. But I love him as the horror movie nerd, film lover, whatever, in this movie. 
Um, he plays Max, and he is a, manip- a manipulative nutcase. Evelyn, played by Kelly Ashley Green, sorry. And yes, they make a promise to each other to be together forever. Um, and that gets out of hand when Evelyn uh, comes back from the dead. But I'm pretty sure it's from a Satan genie. Satan genie. What did I say? I don't remember. I think voodoo doll or something. It's some kind of weird, like, you know, figure. Because he works in a horror. Yeah, no, it makes shop. sense. It's just it is yes. kind of a you know silly thing, but oh no, yeah, but I love this movie a lot. I love his uh, half brother Travis in it, trying to help him get rid of her. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, funny that. Uh, sorry, we stole your thunder a little bit, I guess. But <laughs> yeah, way to go, guys. <laughs> um, but you you did recommend that movie. I never heard of that film other than you telling me about it. Um, and I ended up getting I that. So. That and Odd Thomas in a two-pack um, on Voodoo a while back because I love Odd Thomas, which I almost put Odd Thomas on this list, but there's a, the end makes me cry like really hard. Like, yeah. Like real, yeah. real hard. It's all over. Like super hard cry. Like I, which I, that's why I feel like that's like a horror drama that I would rather we – oh, new list for next year because um, there's a few of those that I want to talk about actually. But um, yeah, that that movie – really worked for me um on thomas but bearing the x i thought it was great i thought it was really funny not not one i love but i definitely like a lot so uh good good pick for sure yeah i would agree i mean i think we watched it because of you so mm-hmm. i guess that makes sense why it's your number one yeah yeah well, exactly i'm glad that you both didn't hate it as that seems uh, see see <laughs> you don't always recommend crappy movies um yeah. <laughs> oh you're like the most interesting movie watcher alive. It's like I don't always recommend crappy movies, but sometimes I do. But when you I guys do. don't always know what I'm gonna like either. No, you're but very hard do, to nail that down. Um, they're less than three hours long. Yeah. I know. <laughs> hey, she just watched and Blade Runner. Steelbook. Yeah, Steelbook. Corey has all of Steelbook movies. Um, all the Steelbooks. I'm gonna have like my own collection. It's gonna be like Criterion, and I'm gonna invite famous people in to choose their favorite Steelbooks. Favorite steel books. I like it. Um, do they get to keep them or what? Are they no, getting? no. It's like the Criterion Closet. Um, it's a YouTube thing that Criterion does. They bring in famous actors and directors, and they come into the Criterion Closet and talk about a movie or two that they love from the Criterion Collection. It's kind of good. Edgar Wright uh, discusses too, and Michael Sarah. Uh, I think both were promoting Scott Pilgrim. They they were in the Criterion Closet. So, um, again, sorry, uh, maybe too much of a fan. But let's get to Mike's honorable mentions. All right, um, I'm going with Krampus, Gremlins, Shaun nice, of the nice. Dead was on it, Feast, which I really wanted to put on my one. list, but Feast, that was the Operation Greenlight, um, uh, Henry Rollins was in it, oh. Clue Gulager was in it, it was, uh, if you guys remember that TV show, Operation Greenlight. Oh, it was that HBO, wasn't it? I believe so, and Feast came out of it, and it was like these oh, mutated yeah. That was the uh, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Uh, ben Affleck, yeah. Yeah, I miss that they don't do that anymore. Um, and this one kind of seemed like it had rough going, but some of the stuff in it just was like, because they introduced, you know, the hero, and he doesn't make it past five minutes into the movie, and these people kind of rotate roles, and I forget what kind of character Rollins plays. And it's basically, like, think of, like, the thing, but without people being assimilated, you know, kind of a... a body snatched but they're all trapped in a bar and they cannot get out because these things are very hungry and they reproduce very quickly 
on their own. And in fact, there's a very graphic scene between the two. And they're they're looking out the window. They're they're doing they're and then they see the their offspring reborn. It was really weird. Oh man, just very. It, it's a tougher one to find. It spawned at least two sequels, and I've only seen the first one of the bunch. Uh, Zombie Line was on my list, and then I did a combo of Night of the Creeps, which I've talked about before, slash yep. Slither, which I feel. See, I thought you were going to talk about Slither. I, th- I thought Slither would be on your list because I've not seen that yet, but that's one that you recommended, and that has Nathan Fillion in it, right? Yeah, that one you need to watch. Yeah, I it's got Rooker, it. it's got Fillion, it's James Gunn. Oh, yeah. You'll like I it. forget it's James Gunn. I, I really need to check that one out. Um, yeah. All right, my list. Uh, I'm going to start with a Leica Films. Um, movie paranorman um which oh, yeah. i feel like qualifies maybe it's not quite comedy enough and uh but it's definitely got humor in it and um i i just i i find it it's just such a good movie um i have uh warm bodies which is the romeo oh, and juliet take on zombies and i i like it a lot i've only seen it once but i really enj- i was i went in apprehensive and ended up really really liking it and um i always forget the actor's name the bald guy rob cordry um, as his zombie best friend is great. Like, really, really like him in that movie. Um, and uh, I have What We Do in the Shadows, Young Frankenstein, which might be hard to qualify as a horror, but it's definitely, you know, a spoof on a very classic horror film. So I, you know, if if it qualifies, great. If not, okay, it's in my honorable mention, so let, let it go. Um, Cabin in the Woods, um, for sure. Yep. One that I really want to rewatch. I've only seen that one once, and I but I it stuck with me. Like I still remember so many details of that movie. And then, uh, what we do in the shadows, um, which I mentioned earlier, and also Tucker and Dale. But you had that, so I already talked about it. So, um, all right, Corey, what about you? I only have a couple. Um, when you messaged me earlier about the Criterion, I had totally forgotten, so I added it to my list. I was a teenage wear skunk uh, that yeah. I watched because of you, <laughs> and then. We could put either on this list, and the newer one does have Colin Farrell and my boy Anton, but I'm going with the 1985 Fright Night. I like the new one better, only because of Anton, Um, and I am a big Colin Farrell fan. Uh, He's actually, man, the way he plays that vampire is really cool. I kind of like him a lot in that movie. Um, But yeah, I like the original too, but it's just Anton and Tony Collette as the mom, who I am a big fan of, so... (laughs) Um, yeah, I just, and, and I am Agent Poots, who is in Green Room with Anton, is the girlfriend in Fright Night. So there's a lot about the modern Fright Night that works for me. So, um, or Imogen. I don't know how to say her name, to be fair. I just know her last name is Poots. I think it's Imogen. It's Poots. Mm. That last name. Must be the most unfortunate last name ever, except you look like that. So people just don't say anything. So. (laughs) Yeah. But, um. You're gorgeous and a good actor, so whatever. Yeah, it's like, yeah, fine. Your, your last name's Poots. We'll, we'll just work with that. Okay. Um. All right. Well, that's our list for the week, folks. We would love to hear your favorite horror comedies. What did we leave out? In fact, I love horror comedy, so I really want you to email us ones that we left off because if I haven't seen it, I want to add it to my list. It's, it's a genre that I'm very much a fan of. Um, I find partly because horror movies sometimes confuse me at what they want from me. Like some horror movies feel like they want to be funny, but they don't. They don't seem to be doing that. Like I asked Mike when we were watching Suspiria if it was supposed to be a comedy or not, because there were parts where I thought the acting was so over the top and silly that I was like, am I supposed to be laughing right now or not? I don't know what they're going for. And that happens with horror movies a lot for me, where some of the acting just feels so big and so cheesy that I can't help but laugh at it. 
So horror comedies just work for me because I'm already laughing at most of the regular horror movies. So if you uh, would email us your list at contact at com. That is contact at com. Check out our reviews on Ber- at com. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram. I'm at BerkReviews. Mike? At ServerMonkey. And Corey? At Corey R. Star, two R's on the end. And Mike will be posting uh, some at some point his uh, – the movies he's watching for the 31 days, both on Instagram and eventually a wrap-up article on the site. I am posting mainly reviews. I don't know if I'm going to write a review for all 31, because um, five of them, I am uh, Corey and I are doing for Movie Club. We've already done Suspiria and um, uh, Raw, which, Mike, you need to watch Raw as soon as you can on Netflix. Um, I've been wanting to, but being subtitled, I don't want to start it late at night. Agreed, agreed. That, definitely a good call, though. It will, I think, grab your attention. Um, that's a good example of a horror drama, by the way. Um, when I was mentioning like that next year we're going to do horror dramas instead of horror comedies, because that one really hits. Uh, it's a dramatic film with horrific stuff inside of it, and it's amazing. Um, and then this week, as Corey and I mentioned, we're watching The Fly. Uh, we're going to be watching two other films uh, this month for Movie Club. Um, I think we'll go ahead and spoil. We're going to be watching, um, I think, The Howling. Is that right, Corey? Is that uh, two weeks um, from now? I'm not sure. I thought it was. I think I'm pretty uh-huh. sure. It's a werewolf movie that I've not seen that starts with an H. So, yeah. um, And then the the one we're going to wrap up with uh, for this month on Movie Club is, Mike, a, a favorite of yours, one that you've advised us not to start with, but it's where I'm starting, is Eraserhead. Um, oh, boy. Yeah, yeah we're going to... We're going to watch that. It's on the Criterion Collection, which is available through Filmstruck. Um, so check those out. Check out our website, BurkeReviews.com, for all of the stuff that we're doing. You can follow me also on Letterboxd uh, if you look up Burke Reviews, and you can keep up with my diary of what I've seen and what I'm watching. Um, and, again, um, thanks for listening. Guys, have a good week, and we'll be back next week with another Top 5. All right. Bye. Peace, everybody. Bye.